carried forward. It was Goulden, no free. Gorn, little snap. Dangerous one, Meltram kept it alive. Fritz onto his favourite left boot. Lovely snap from the boundary. A little more hopefully. Papley onto the boot. Got a clean snap. It's there. Just the goal that they needed. Sydney are going to win. They're into a prelim final. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is broken for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and as always, each and every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Simo, mate. Not the result that we wanted, but still a cracking finals week weekend Sorry, of footy, like it's... Uh, we talked about the the buy and everything that we might have not liked it for, but far out. If that's what it produces each and every year, then <laughs> the buy can stay. Because yeah, for footy in general, for footy goers and for for the theatre goers, it's uh yeah, it's what an exciting uh, what is it, exciting four games really in in the scheme of things. It's nuts. It's crazy. A lot of people saying that this is probably one of the best years of footy they've seen. I mean, I don't know if it's due because we've been starved of footy actually live in the last two years. That's probably why we're so like overwhelmed with joy of how the games are going. But yeah, what a weekend! Um, obviously, started on Thursday night with you know the Lions just tipping the the Brisbane, sorry Richmond Tigers. Um, you know, in in a game where it could have gone you know either way, you got the Tolmich kick, and then you've got you know Jade Dunhern amongst five Tigers. It's you know it's pretty crazy stuff, and then. Obviously, our boys, you know, got you know got done by, to be honest, better side on the night, to be fair. And look, I think if we bring our best game, we could definitely match them, if not beat them. It's just a matter of if. Um, then probably the best game in the round would have to be the Richmond, sorry, the Geelong Collingwood game. I just thought I was just in just in awe. I just couldn't couldn't stop myself from watching the game. It's just it was to be honest, it was great to see Collingwood finally lose a, a game by under a goal. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that, Geelong, even though we dislike Geelong as well, which we you said that you hate Geelong more than Collingwood, which was interesting. Um, and then the Doggies, you know, up by 40 points and then, you know, just got steamrolled and, you know, lacked a bit of firepower. So, you know, it builds up for a pretty, pretty awesome second week again. I think probably look at it, two underdog sides coming from interstate. Um, up against two Melbourne sides, and it's yeah, it, it probably could be closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's uh, well, you know, Freo have travelled well all year, and yeah, they have been inconsistent sort of all year. Sort of weren't really sure where they sat in terms of you know their credentials and and the measuring stick about how good they were. But I think for them, that was a really mature performance to sort of come back from what the doggies did initially. But I think it just must have taken a little bit of of uh, opening up to the conditions and getting their game into gear because honestly, I fell asleep by half time and <laughs> I was knackered after Friday night. So uh, 8.10 is just way too late for... 7.50 is late enough on a Friday night, but 8.10 on a Saturday night after being after being out Friday was... Uh, yeah, it was way too much. So no, it was, it was amazing. Plenty of headlines, as you mentioned, from the weekend, but no, it just proves that finals footy and there's probably that element that Finals footy was finally back in Melbourne, and that's got to be a huge part of it. It's such a huge event and celebration, and the atmosphere that it creates around the the surrounding streets and suburbs, uh, not only Melbourne but interstate as well. But you know, from from us, that's it's really it's what it's all about. And it was great to be back at the G on Friday night. You know, seventy eight thousand. It was a great atmosphere. It was uh, 
as we sort of mentioned it, well, as we predicted, it was quite balanced in terms of Sydney and Melbourne supporters, wasn't it? It was, it wasn't overly dominant for a, for an interstate side and Sydney, who have got so many loyal South Melbourne supporters still residing in Melbourne, I certainly were out in their colours and um, yeah, no, it was it was a really high high pressure, intense game and what finals footy really stands for. And unfortunately, we uh, we copped a really good lesson in, in pressure footy. And that was what Sydney brought to us. But before we get to that, how strange was... We had something really strange um, happen. <laughs> well, yeah, something that we saw getting off at Richmond Station just after 6 o'clock before the game. Can you do want, do want to describe? Because you got a couple of happy snaps from it. But, yeah, something I've never seen before. Oh, well, yeah, you don't you don't normally. I mean, you're just strolling down the street and then, you know, you look behind you to the left and you see Horse Longmire with Dean Cox and there was a Jared McVeigh just strolling down the street. You're like, What's good? what are they doing here? And then all of a sudden it's the whole team, like medicos, trainers, and the whole squad. And you know, I'll tell you what, yeah, I, it's something I haven't seen before. Um, I mean, you might see a couple of players together or something when – Back when they had that AFL playground, I think I saw a few players floating in and out there. But the whole squad, I was like, surely their bus is broken down or something. But I don't know, is people people you know doing a little plot on them or something? Or you know, that could have been pretty interesting if you know people had a few drinks beforehand, having a few things to say. And yeah, what? Yeah, what do you think? It was it was strange. Yeah, I'd still love to know the story of it. I mean. Pretty much the first thing I saw was like John Longmire is an absolute huge human Big boy. being, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. There's Big a bit of horse. There's a bit of a. Why. <laughs> there was a bit of a bravado about the way that they were strolling down Brunton Avenue, which was obviously cleared for the footy fans and uh, at this time of, of night. And yeah, it was it was interesting, something I've never seen before. But the fact that everybody kind of was in that same state of disbelief was what we were. Like thinking, what's what's going on? Like, surely get a bus. You know, dropping him right up at the gate, or they would have been here. This is, you know, an hour and a half before the bounce, roughly. And yeah, anyway, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was strange. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, no. Nah, as as we mentioned, it's just just great to be back in the stands and in, in front of certainly the biggest crowd I've been a part of this year. There's been some big crowds. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Saturday afternoon they had 91,000 there uh, against Geelong Carlton, and I think even Collingwood Freo is looking to be pretty big as well too this weekend. Apparently, so apparently she's a sell a sellout, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. Jesus, can you imagine being a Freo supporter? How small you'd feel in that game? Like I, I remember the Melbourne Collingwood game, and I felt small. So I remember yeah, the Richmond GWS, Freo. the Richmond GWS. Um, no, who was it? No, who GWS play in the prelim one year? And there was... Collingwood? No. Yeah, it might have been. Was it 2018? Maybe. maybe 2017 they played Richmond, I believe. Yeah. And then that was the 2019, the grand final. And playing final. Yeah, mm. so interesting. But interesting, interesting how you talk about crowds because, I mean, you say that was pretty even. I mean, we as as a supporter base and look, just looking around the ground, we definitely look like a 60-40 sort of proposition. Yeah. But... To be honest, they were they were just as loud, if not louder. So I don't know what's what's to go there. I just think, like I was talking to you before the game and during the game, I just thought, where's that energy and noise from? You know, when we played Geelong in 2018, when we played Hawthorne in 2018 as well. Like, I, I'm sure that's going to come on Friday night, and it's got to come because it needs to give our players a bit of you know, a bit of oomph. Like, I mean, yeah. we started getting a bit noisy after those, I think three goals in five minutes in the third quarter, and then just. 
it just dropped away from that point onwards. And you you think why? Because we've had such big crowds and things, but you can barely hear people. Mind you, this this week I'm going to try and generate some energy because I'm sitting right next to the cheer squad, which would be good. Fun. Fantastic, fantastic. Oh, well, maybe we can say good day to a friend of the podcast, Sue from Demon Army. I'm sure she'll be down there and say good day and yeah, make some noise as you said. Back into the game, so um, it's a real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day. So we want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right, well, we've got to take some positives out of the game. As I said, high pressure, super intense. Uh, yeah, finals footy really at its finest. But a couple of standout performances in a losing side when, in, in which yeah, the Ds really kind of buckled under, under the Swans. Intense pressure cooker. But I think Stephen May has to be probably one of the best games he's played for the club. Now, he's played a number of, number of great games over his, uh, his career at the Ds, but far out to blanket albeit an aging buddy he just made him look like an absolute fossil out there and uh, I think what first player to hold him goalless but yeah out and out our best player of the game what would you make of his performance mate because I think we know what buddy's still capable of doing even at his age and yeah he just had no influence what on on the game whatsoever I think if you hit the nail on the head in terms of his best game for the club I just think you know to have what 16 intercept marks which mind you is an AFL record um Five contested marks and and six um, intercept marks. Like it's it's a big game for him, and that's you know where a lot of his footy last year came. And I think what well, has it happened this year, but this game was really telling. The only thing I mean, I re- you could really knock him on. I'm, I mean, it's meant to be positive here, but obviously those two soft free kicks. I mean, they were just they made me frustrated to be honest on Buddy Franklin. But apart from that, yeah, he had him covered all night, and you know to keep him to what seven touches, it's. Two kicks, which one kick was kicked into Petrarca's leg and snapped it, which is a bit stiff. <laughs> but uh, that's ball. That's probably something we missed on the news, by the way. But uh, you know, yeah, oh, I was going to Petrarca noise and injury noise, but yeah, we'll talk about that probably in one week at a time. But yeah, um, yeah, no, he was super, and I think you know there was probably, to be honest, out of it, out of a side that was probably getting carried by a few on Friday night. A lot of passengers, you know, he really stood out. He did, he did. I think also we have to mention that. I mean, Sydney's performance was was actually quite even across the board, and you had we we mentioned last week some of their star players that can really break a game open, like Isaac Heaney, relatively quiet night. Unfortunately, those other players then around them stepped up. So you had your Luke Parkers, your Callum Mills, who was always going to have that impact as well, and not to mention sort of row bottom as well too. So the D's obviously had a plan for some of their players, and we managed to sort of stop, I guess, some of their game winners. But then again. Some of those things, there was very much parallels between that game and even the game we played them earlier in the year about how they beat us. And I, I think that was pretty clear as well too. So they now see themselves with a home preliminary final, red-hot favourites to make a grand final. And, and so be it, because I think that if there's a team there that can probably take it to Geelong or Collingwood, I think that they certainly can do it um, on the big day. And, and playing at the G is uh, absolutely no worries. They love it there. Um, we have to talk about this next man because you talk about passengers. This guy was, well, probably co-captain. Was probably well, driver, probably probably co probably co-captain with Stevie May, Clayton Oliver, mate. He's just being attended to by a number of players across the night, but still able to get in and under and do absolutely all the dirty work. Just a colossal performance by him. 
I mean, you can't you can't knock him. I think just to be ahead in so many key areas. I mean, he was bloody effective too. And for one, he hit the scoreboard twice. I mean, he's kicked three goals prior to last last week. He kicked three goals for the season and kicked two and set a couple up. And yeah, I don't know his work, especially early when the heat was on. I was hearing Sydney's pressure gauge was the highest in the first quarter for the year. Um, you know, he was one that was super super clean in the first quarter and started the game really strong and. Sort of set the tone, and you know it did carry across the game, and you know he, he did he did cop a bit of attention from you know the Callum Mills, Parker, etc., and you know it did make it a bit tougher, but to still have the twenty nine and um their twenty four effective, it's yeah, it's pretty incredible. Nineteen contested possessions in and amongst that, like uh, it's easy to say like now we're so used to seeing him perform at such a high level, but I think we're going to look back in twenty years and kind of just really get a feel for how special it is to watch this player play the game um, to, to sort of say we were there in, in his prime because he's going to have a good run at the Brownlow and, and you know, he's already won the coach's award for best player of the season. Again, I, I think those goals as well too, they weren't just any goals. They were really timely goals. Like we think about that run in that third quarter, which unfortunately we weren't able to sustain, but he kept us in it. He kept us in the game. And then <laughs> pretty much that photo of him bandaged up with that cut at the end there just kind of really typifies his performance. Like he was a wounded soldier out there laying his body out in the line. And yeah, that's I think that's how probably all the fans felt, uh, you know, a bit battered and bruised after that. But far out. It's just just a, uh, a player, a star made for finals. And yeah, on a, on a night where our other performers probably weren't up to scratch and, you know, there's injuries and other things there that sort of influence that, he's just, he's, he's amazing. And, yeah, we're so lucky to have him and so lucky to watch him. So could we be looking at the next Melbourne Brownlow medalist? Because, I mean, he's probably, I think he's second in the odds betting at the moment. But, you know, he's been completely consistent across the year in the last, or even probably, you can even argue his whole career, to be fair. Yeah, he's been an absolute. A lot of people say a ball pig. Like he just you know, hunts the hunts the ball, and probably had that year now that I think that he could take the next step in terms of that. I mean, yes, it's in an in individual award, but he's 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 thought to be a lot higher. But you know, this this could be the year. I mean, yes, you got Lockie Neal, but it would be pretty cool to see him. You know, get the get the Brownlow Medal and the recognition for yeah what he's able to do because he's an out and out star. Um, I think he's really elevated his game in terms of his kicking as well, and. I remember last year in the uh, qualifying final, he tore Brisbane to shreds. I'm hoping that happens again. Um, not too much else, honestly. Uh, I think Bailey Fridge probably deserves a bit of a mention. That snag. Kept, oh. kept us, yeah, kept us honest on the scoreboard in, in a line where, you know, on a night where a forward line again didn't function very well. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> that, that, oh, that, that goal from the boundary, what was it? You know, left pocket, you know, just turning over his right shoulder. On the left, wrong side for a left footer, and yeah, you and me got very excited. It was yeah, we, did. we just got we just got a great viewing for it. Like we, we did. just could see it unfold, and we're like, yeah, gee, it's incredible. Yeah, uh, only player to kick a goal every round this year. It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, he's, you know, he's kicked like the what fifty four goals, I believe, roundabouts for the year. He kicked fifty nine last year, so he's you know could potentially top that. So. Yeah, no, he's an out-and-out star and just his, his goal sense is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And between that, there was, you know, in and amongst the bombing that we did in the forward line, I'm not going to get into that now, but, you know, there's one entry where Spargo just hit him also, almost on the inside out of his boot 
running into space. And it's probably one of the only moments on the night where we actually had forwards running into space because the rest of it, we just ended up bombing and long. Uh, but yeah, again, like he just before just provides us that, yeah, that moving target, that really difficult matchup in terms of playing tall or playing small. You know, we'll, we'll often take one of the best defenders, but he can, he can do so much with so minimal, you know, without touching the ball so much, you know, like he might have four touches, but he might kick two, three goals. So he's, uh, yeah, his impact is certainly, is certainly massive and come finals time, we know what he did in the grand final. So anyone else, anyone else to mention? Everyone else is pretty off. Hey, yeah. Everyone else needs a finger up the bottom. (laughs) Well, in other words, find a voice, but obviously Charlie Spargo won't be able to do that. No, no, he won't. Although he's still looking to play, apparently. So I don't know. See how that goes. Pretty. I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, mate. Well, there's a few things we actually. I'm pretty pissed off. And look, the biggest thing I, I could see is. Us probably buckling under pressure. I just don't think, well, probably the first quarter, definitely, we were able to absorb what the Swans were bringing. But I think for the rest of the game, we just, yeah, really crumbled. We started to become fumbly, um, which was showcased in the games we lost this year. And, you know, for them to be able to score 70 points off turnover, which is, mind you, more than the average that we give away a game is nuts. And the same thing happened last game against them too. Yeah. Yep, it 100% was. And you look at that last quarter when everything's hanging in the balance and, yeah, you see about like how much of that fourth quarter really, like we were 12 points down at three-quarter time, 28 tackles in that last quarter and I think about 14 of those were in the inside 50. So it just, not only with the turnovers, but it was where it was occurring as well. And we saw the way that Sydney were able to, to generate their scoring opportunities. They're all ground balls. They're all dirty balls inside 50 that we weren't able to, you know, really get set up defensively. And definitely it's a trait that Melbourne is uh, has shown that they're vulnerable. When it, when the pressure gets hot, they can become fumbly. But you know what? That, that really shows that across a competition, that pressure beats anything, beats any system. You bring the pressure, you're going to break any team. And, and they've shown that, you know, they've done it to the reigning champions now twice, uh, you know, the premiership team. And it's... As you mentioned, some of the games that we have lost this year, it's been pretty evident that when we when we're not clean with the ball and we cough the we, we cough the ball up in in vulnerable areas and we get scored upon, and that's that's exactly what happens. So, but you look at that third quarter and like how well Melbourne started. So you had the three goals straight in a row. You had Oliver Frito and Sparrow within the first six minutes, and you think, all right, here we go, we're on. We we've come six point deficit at halftime, and then you know got out to about 10, 12 points, but we really owned the ball like Sydney couldn't get a sniff in those first few minutes and it really felt like one of those Melbourne surges I won't say grand final-esque but it was final-esque from last year it was where the, all the momentum was our way and then yeah it was like the rest of it was history like Sydney just were able to absorb that couple of you know undisciplined free kicks to go from that way and then Sydney then go on to kick six goals after that in that quarter and yeah, it, that was that was the game right there. I think in that third quarter, it was where you know Papley sort of after being relatively quiet in that first half, the energy that they brought, and you can kind of see that between him, Luke Parker, even Buddy, 
you know, they, they were really relishing every second and, and they're a really high-energy team and you could see they, they all fed off that. Looking at the next thing too, I just think, you know, Petrarca is, you know, is our, probably our best match match winner, I'd have to say. You know, when he's on, he could really bust the game open, um, especially, you know, at stoppage, those real power stoppages and, you know, can go forward and kick goals as well. And, you know, obviously after that, you know, he come to stop Buddy Franklin and Buddy Franklin swung, kicked him in the leg. And, you know, I was even telling you, I was like, where's track? You know, what's happened to track? And I was, I was sort of sitting there dumbfounded, like, you know, what's happened to him? Um, you know, and then the, all this news comes out and I, I thought it was calf, which it was, but then, you know, turning out to be a hairline fracture in a leg, it's a bit concerning, but yeah, he was only able to go at 29% by foot, which is just ugh, disgusting in, in one way, shape or form. But no, I'm actually really genuinely concerned about what we're doing with Petrarca, to be honest, but I don't know. What's your, what's your take on Christian? As in you're talking about playing him this week? Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, it's an know, interesting it's one, a really it? hard one because obviously, I mean, look, I've got a lot of confidence against Brisbane, but you know, knowing what we've done to them in the past, we've completely bullied them. But you know, it is a final; it is do or die. So yeah, I don't know. You leave it up to the medicos, I guess. Yeah, I think it sounds like they're all cleared and ticked off to play this week. You have to feel for Taylor Adams on Saturday afternoon, who sort of came in, you know, with that sore groin, nursing it, sort of saying, "I'm I'm coming in sore," and and look, performed really well for his club up until those last few minutes, where you know, tore who's a doctor off the bone, which is you know no. devastating for him, and is is going to be in in rehab for a pretty decent stint there. Now, I think what Peter Larkin's come out and said that oh, you know, they send track out there, and there's a there's a chance he could snap his leg, but. You know that there's a duty of care behind the club and the doctors and the coaching group. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna send him out there if there's a high risk of him, of of it becoming much worse. But I still think that you really have to consider is an is a fifty percent or less Christian Petrarca going to be more effective than say for instance a Luke Dunstan who's in some red hot form. Uh, you know, we've got the depth there. It hurts to have. You know, one of your top two players not playing in a semi-final, a do-or-die, you know, win-or-go-home match, but could it come and hamper you if he has to get subbed out five minutes into the first quarter? You know, like it just, yeah, it's a. I don't know. You think they're the right? They're the professionals. They're they're the experts. They're the ones that are going to make that decision. You know, Christian will would do absolutely everything he can to get on the park and play. He, you know, he's that competitive. He's, you know, lives for the jumper, but. It's look. I think it's a bit of an ongoing debate, don't you reckon? I think so, and we've just got to ride the wave. I think, um, or the roller coaster ride, <laughs> as we say. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's one of those things where I mean, I was even chatting to a mate today at school, thinking, you know, could the right option be play him as a sub? That would be pretty interesting if that was a call to make. But I don't know. Who knows? Drop him at full forward. forward. I don't know. Like I just... yeah, look, he probably could play a lot more forward. Um, mm. Which would kind of make sense, um, but then I mean you lack the explo- explosive sort of track that obviously you can bring to stoppage. But who knows? We'll we'll watch this space and we'll wait to teams on Thursday night and get a real gauge of it. I suppose. Wasn't the, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, do you have something to touch on about track? Because I was going to launch into something else. No, nah, we're going through. All right. So one thing I'm not very happy about is Tom McCartan's fist. Um, <laughs> 
the absolute golden fish. I'm, I'm sure he'd have a couple of broken, broken fingers or something. But he had 17 spoils. Crazy. He just kept kicking to him. Yeah. I'm just, I, I was, because I, I, I remember looking up at the scoreboard and just kept seeing, you know, just, oh, yeah, even more spoils to Tom McGarden. But the even more crazy and damaging thing about it is every time we bloody spoiled it, it went straight to a Sydney pile. They just absolutely killed us at ground ball, outnumbered. It's, yeah, it was frustrating. And I, I can't remember if you if you remember me talking to you about it, but far out is all these spoils just kept going straight to their players. And then we a, did it and it just went straight to Sydney players. So is there an effective, is there a, spa, a stat called effective spoil? Effective spoil. <laughs> spoil. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Spoil to, spoil to advantage. Oh, yeah, it could be like hit out to advantage. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good one for Supercoach. Maybe I yeah. should, uh, yeah, it's in a, it's in an inquiry. <laughs> But it kind of just talks to how well they are set up defensively, isn't it? And we knew that going in. They're very solid bent down back there, you know, with Rampy, um, the two McCartans. Uh, you got Jake Lloyd there who played a ripper of a game as well too and was amongst their best as well to a rebounding half back. But again, like whether it's the spoils or the intercepts, it, it really just drove their transition and to move the ball forward and generate scoring opportunities. And that's they're, they're an exceptional side across the board. They can, they can score in a multitude of ways and, and look... Again, they they can defend, and when it comes to finals footy, it's um, you know the rest will take care of itself. So they're certainly a force to be reckoned with. Uh, just quickly on the injury front, so yeah, a couple of other sort of casualties from that. So Charlie Spargo, bit of a throat injury. Did I don't I haven't seen vision of the of the Neither. incident or, or or had any details of what it was, but I think it was an elbow to the throat and caused him to go into hospital and still without a voice. So as you mentioned before. Still good to play on Friday night, but yeah, it could be a little bit interesting there. There's a bit of chat about Melksham and, and Bailey Fritz's knee as well too. So Fritz's knee before the game, apparently had a bit of a complaint, went got down, got it checked, came back and kicked three goals and you know kept us kept us within distance of the game. Um, Melksham's game wasn't his best, uh, <laughs> as I can read facial expressions there. Like. I think for him as well too to have those two really gettable chances when we really needed it in that last quarter as well. That's they're the goals that he'd been kicking the last month of footy. I think we we, we can't have you know we've got to remember that he won us essentially that Carlton game. You know he's had a big month of footy. Okay, he, he had a pretty shit game on Friday night, but I don't think you I don't think you go and change. I think you still back him in with his with his form in terms of looking ahead. So. Just you yeah. wait till one one week at a time. <laughs> Ready to load up. No. Nah. Yeah. No, nah, what about um Buddy Franklin? Just I mean, I said it before with um with Maisie, but you know, he completely just took a dive and the umpire fell for it. And I absolutely hated every bit of it. Yeah. It was, I mean, at the game, I mean it probably looked a bit different, but just watching the vision, I just think, Are you kidding me? Like like I mean, you footballers, um, you know what a bumper bar is, you know, if if you're a defender and you're you're trying to stop their ability to run forward of the footy to create, you know, an option, you're allowed to stand there while you hold your ground. He just he just was just too gumby and just lost his footing, and then now it was a fifty meter penalty. No, it's yeah, it's absolutely shafted. No, no, just didn't like it at all. And I didn't really like the highlighting of uh of his efforts. I think it was Riley Beveridge who's you know a fantastic journalist, written some great stuff for AFL.com.au, but. Had an article out about, you know, Buddy's influence Change on the game, game or something. Mm. <laughs> turning it on its head without without really touching the ball. And I just think that's not the stuff that we really should be rewarding, is it? Like it's 
there was it was it was acting and and you know we're trying to phase that stuff out of the game like for staging and whatnot it's there's no possible way you had two humans at, a, at 110 or whatever whatever they are running into each other it was just yeah no no it was a bit of a farce and and look the free kicks in itself wasn't really an issue on the night but those two you had sort of those two um that resulted well no, did both of them result in goals i can't remember one of them definitely did um but yeah the james harms goal that also uh the james harms free kick reported that's that's probably off. the one that turned the game to be honest in my book because yeah. what was it eight eighteen points at three quarter time was it 12 points 12 three? yeah that that was a defining mm. that that was a defining moment and i was like yeah we're in trouble yeah so yeah i was just thinking yeah like he already looked bad enough as it was there's a lot of people out there who can see that you know there wasn't a lot in those free kicks and yeah like i think if you're Sydney next year, looking at his contract status, and he's out there handing his, you know, got his hand out for uh, expecting a little bit of a pay rise, and what the offer that stands in front of him already is, I don't think there'd be, uh, I don't think that sort of performance is going to um, increase his wage at all, if anything. Oh, hop and D life will display player of the year award finals edition, Timmy. Uh, here we go. All right, one vote from me comes for Bailey Fritch. Kicked the three goals, had 13, um, provided a spark where there wasn't many up forward. Yeah, I can't argue with you there, mate. And you've, I reckon there's a fair chance that our our votes look very similar this week. So, yeah, I'm I'm not going to add anything more to that. Yep, so you go on the one vote for him too. All right. Uh, two votes goes to Clayton Oliver. Uh, very hard to separate the obvious here, but um, I just thought the impact Clary had was slightly less than the other. Um, but still, I mean, Clary, you know, he, he gave us a chance in the game. Um, but then, you know, I mean, the other one was, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> that didn't make much sense, but I'll just go Clary because he's a star. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm going two votes to May as much as, and I know I think I made the call that May was best on ground, but I, I think, yeah, we're talking about those two players who are coming up for two and three. Could have gone, easily could have made a case for either, but I think May's, you know, he's a work all around the ground. Uh, May's performance on Buddy and being able to sort of stop any sort of influence that he'd have is great, but I think, yeah, that's why I've given him two because I think that the player who's going to get three votes had a wider impact across all aspects of the game and not just one. So, well, not one, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so, yeah. three, so, in other words, your three votes is going to Jake Melsham. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. No, no, actually, I was going to give it to um, Joel Smith, actually. Oh, Super sub. <laughs> super sub. <laughs> all right, well, moving on. Three votes for me goes to Stevie May. Um, I just think to be able to blanket someone that well and just, you know, really impact the ball in the air and also put yourself in a position to, you know, propel the ball forward for us. And um, I just think he was just massive down there. And, you know, I just wish you had more more contributors, um, you know, backing him in. I mean, yes, he went for a couple of switch kicks and, 
turned him over, but you know, he's trying something different, which is you know far from the usual. Stevie May run out to the left and kick it down the line. Yeah, no, that's right. I think uh, no, easily, as you said, pretty easy votes this week. Uh, not too many to choose from in that sense. So we're hoping that, uh, yeah, let's hope that next week will be a lot harder for us. Who's your three votes, mate? I did not give it. No, you didn't. Oh, okay. Well, my three votes goes to uh, Clayton Oliver. (laughs) Oh, Sutter. Need I say any more? I just think that, yeah, alongside with his the work that he did in the midfield, but just his, his ability to hit the scoreboard, when he, he hasn't done so, so much, you know, this year, in the moments that it was, you know, it could have spurned us on. It didn't uh, as much as we'd liked, but, he, you know, he certainly did uh, everything that he could to give us give us a fighting chance to get over the line. So, on you, Chucky. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. You do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> no, I can't, but it's uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, talking points from our fans, loyal listeners, about Friday night's disappointing qualifying final loss against the Sydney Suns. First one comes in from <laughs> What did I say? Sydney Suns. Suns. Did I say Sydney as well? You did. We could be playing Gold Coast in the uh, in the granny in the VFL. Mind oh, you. mate. Oh, it's been it's been a day. That's for sure. It's been a day. We'll it's carry on. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew wants you to read his. Uh, he does. <laughs> Matthew Scott reads uh, the AFL website saying Buddy won because his flopping turned the game. Uh, they shouldn't be giving him. They should be giving him fines, not pats on the back. And if that was a small forward from the Pies, everyone would be going crazy right now. So, <laughs> yeah. It, oh, it's one hundred percent right though. You imagine if that's Skinvin flopping and earning free kicks, um, and then talking about that, like you can imagine how that conversation changes. So no, I think that's a very valid point and pretty much reinforces what we we're just chatting about before. Hundred percent. Next one comes in from Greg Anthony Rahili. If that's not the kick up the backside we needed, I don't know what is. Double chance will be very handy. Yeah, hundred percent. I think could be a little uh, cheeky. Cheeky way around things, um, potentially, and we hope that that's the way. I mean, yes, I hope it's the spark that we needed just to, yeah, reach, get things right because obviously, we, you know, it didn't work on on Friday night. That's it. Yeah, finals, finals footy. Yeah, it's uh, stuff's not going to get handed to. You, so hopefully, they can just take all the positives out of it, a lot of learnings, and and yeah, make the required adjustments to get out of the line on Friday. Uh, next comes from John O'Hughes. Says, get Pickett on the ball or be the sub. He's just running around the ground and not getting into position. So he's just running away, nowhere near the ball. Stop patting him on the back and see what the lad can really do. He's had about 20 touches in five games of late, done nothing since the NT game. And Joel Smith at centre-half forward would, is definitely worth a chance there. Our forwards at the moment are definitely not functioning. Calm the red legs. So, yeah, plenty of fire there from John O. I think he's done a little bit more since Northern Territory. You don't forget the Brisbane game um, in there as well too. So, look, he has been pretty quiet. I think we were chatting off air before. Four touches on, on Friday night and, and no real influence defensively either. So, on a night where a lot of our players were down, he was certainly one of them. 100%. Next one comes in from Tim Bell. Uh, I'd love to see JVR coming uh, come from Elksham. That's Jacob Van Royen. Um, just a bigger body, just a bigger body. Petrarca, uh, courageous to run the game out. Clary and May, awesome. 
albeit may let us down with ill discipline. Just really costly 50-meter penalties at the wrong time and nowhere near tight enough on Papley. Onwards and upwards, there's always an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's one that I've, you know, I've been I've, I'm a big fan of uh Jacob Van Royen. And look, it, it's a really, really tough one because for me, yeah, I'd love to love to see him in the side, but I'm wondering whether or not it could be, you know, it could, you know, be, go one or two ways. It could be just the worst choice ever, or it could potentially work who knows to be honest and you know you look at our forward line all year and you think where's the answer going to be and sometimes are really strong in the sand which probably in about four games four or five games this year we've hit over the 100 mark and look our forward line looks amazing but your forward line can only really function when you're actually getting some half decent footy in there i just strongly believe that you know our pressure game is just completely dropped away that's why you know we're slow we're getting slow entry we're kicking directly to outnumber so yeah, hopefully that changes and we get the footy back uh, quicker. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you there. Next one comes from Trenton Tolmore Amos, who says the lack of intensity in the last half. No more open training days. No more photo shoots. Time to get serious. Hashtag demon spirit. So, yeah, cut out the um, cut out the fluff and, yeah, get down to business. So, I don't know. I'd like to think that they're taking this seriously, but I think... I'm not sure of the, the lack of intensity or it was just the fumbliness of and the pressure that the D's felt because of what Sydney were bringing it was probably, you know, I think we're certainly thrown off our game and off our balance a little bit. So I think they'll be well aware of that and looking to make amends on Friday night against Brisbane. 100%. Next one comes in from Waitsy underscore OG. Uh, still alive. If we get to the big dance, it will have to be uh, through Geelong now. They looked gettable last night. Not impossible to win all three from here. Imagine the storyline. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the slogan of the AFL at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I know Geelong's an interesting one. I mean, yes, when we played them this year, it was at the Cattery. And yeah, it'd be different at the G because they haven't played a whole lot of footy there this year. Um, they've pretty sure they've only probably played four or five games there and they've all been relatively tight in their case. Uh, yeah, 100%. I just think, yeah, if we bring our best footy against Brisbane and then potentially Geelong and, um, you know, you never know what could happen. And, you know, I, I, look, I'm going to be biased and say that we can do it because, I mean, why why else would I not say we could? <laughs> no, definitely. Look, you got to win three games and finals to win it all. And, you know, that's still true for us. We lost the first one, but we still got to win the next three. So it's still a possibility. And, yeah, I think you'd probably like our matchup against Geelong maybe a little bit more against Collingwood, if, especially if you're me. Anyway, I'd much much rather beat Geelong and, and well, yeah, who knows who we would face in the big dance. But that's a perfect segue, Simo, into our next segment because we've just got to take things one week at a time. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Here it is. One week at a time. Huge time. Another Friday night game, which, mind you, it could be another Friday night after that. Let's hope. Coming in, steamrolling into Friday night. Blockbuster again at the G. 750 against the Brisbane Lions. Now, look, this is a side that we've completely and utter bullied in the last, what, four matchups? I mean, there was... When we played them early in the year last year, they had a really good jump. I think we might have been down by about four goals at halftime and completely rolled over them, which kind of was the start of the surge footy from the Ds. Uh, then, obviously, 
in the finals, we got a hold of them, and then twice this year by roughly 10 goals, which, look, mind you, I mean, I don't think that's going to be the case this time. There's just so much riding on it, and you think, you know, Brisbane's going to come with a flurry. They're going to have some key ins like Rayner and Answorth, potentially Jared Lyons as well. He played in the VFL, which was really interesting to see. Um, pretty interesting too that we're actually playing Brisbane in the VFL as well on Saturday morning. Oh, sorry, Saturday afternoon, one ten, I believe at Casey. I think. Um, let's double check there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a hard one if you're looking at teams or you're looking at what we've got to do here. I mean, we, you think we go to the same similar plan? I mean, the, the interesting that Brisbane thing, uh, Brisbane will find is you know what's going to happen to Oscar McInerney. I mean, Oscar McInerney went down with a concussion just at the start of the game. Look, you look at our Gorn and Jackson, you know, combo. Do they bring in like a Darcy Fort or someone like that, or do they even run with McStay? Because McStay was really, really good against Nankervis. I thought um, more so around the ground, not so much tap work, but around the ground, he really, really provided a lot for the line. So that was interesting to see. Um, I think Stevie May gets the uh, job on Danaher. I think, you know, we look at Zorko here. I mean, is there going to be a bit of tension? Let's just hope that we play the footy and, you know, hopefully they get into that argy-bargy um, and we just, you know, we play the footy and we get the job done. Yeah. No, look, there's, as you said, there's so much riding on it and I think the past is the past. I don't think you can really take in too much in terms of like our great record against them recently. It's, it's a whole new season now in terms of finals and I think that it, it, it does. It changes everything. Like we saw, everyone thought that Richmond were going to be the, almost the scariest team in finals in terms of some, the team that you didn't want to play and probably not many people would have picked that Richmond going to lose, albeit lose you know within the last minute on Friday night up at the Gabba. Sorry, Thursday night up at the Gabba. So we know that anything can happen in finals and it would be silly of us to try and just assume that we've got their number just because of the way that we've handled them over the last few times. You talked about the rucks and, yeah, McInerney going down, but then you had McStay and Danaher jump in who, yeah, okay, tap work wasn't great, but you still got Lockinier winning 15 clearances. and I mean, that man was just possessed on Thursday night and... Look, we managed to do a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a job of him, stop his influence enough. But look, he's such a champion of the game, and and, and for the player that he is, you're not going to be able to, like Clary, you're not going to be able to stop him fully. But you still want to be able to curb his influence, let him gather the ball in in spaces and, you know, in ways that aren't going to damage you. So, you know, you certainly got to be watching out for him. Thursday night also saw uh, in in comparison to when we played, I mean, you saw Hipwood and Danaher get up the ground. And actually have an impact on the scoreboard so they were able to get the six goals between them i think you know Cam- charlie cameron had nine goals so there's there's nine goals that they didn't have against us in terms of you know charlie cameron blanketed by hippo you got may and petty that are playing on those forwards there as well and and lever doing his thing so i think from that end our forward line was the opposite you know opposite story wasn't it around 23 you think about the way that we functioned on saturday on friday night and you can kind of credit Swan's defense for that, but maybe it's our lack of pressure as well too. We just found open paddocks when we played them last time, and hopefully we continue to do that. Just keep generating movement inside 50, find ourselves goal side. You know, Bailey Fritz looked dangerous. Benny Brown played a really good game then, so hopefully for that, Brisbane have, are known to have a pretty you know, a pretty lazy defense. Is Marcus Adams still out this week? Like, does he come back in or... He's, he's out, out he's for out the season. For the year. Yeah, yeah, so poor, yeah, poor with the concussion, which is 
Yeah, it'd be devastating for him because yeah, that's a that's a real tedious one. The concussion. I mean, I I know I went through it, and yeah, luckily mine wasn't as bad as that, but far out, not good. Um, Lockie Neal obviously early in the year was absolutely towed up by James Harms. You look at the time. I mean, they were thinking, okay, yeah, James Harms has been brought straight back in for this game. We decided to put Brayshaw on him, and that that was really interesting, wasn't it? But I strongly think, and Brayshaw, what he had the twenty last week, I I think he was trying to get to, you know, you, you, oh, he was more so going with what Mills Parker, sort of curving the influences of, oh, Chad Warner actually, who was mm. looked like he was going towards, which he did stop what Warner been doing. He's had a fantastic second half. That's what I forgot to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> Chad Warner, well, Gus Brayshaw looked like he completely sacrificed his game, and we. We really missed his polish, I yeah. thought, and you know, if, if, and we need we need to relinquish him in some way, shape, or form. We just he just couldn't get it involved and be damaging. I know he had the twenty, but his effectiveness wasn't there too. So he's he's another one. It'll be really interesting to see what we do with Lockie Neal because you know, I mean, yeah, to have thirty nine touches, fifteen clearances, it's nuts, and you, you can't not put time into him because you know he's probably yeah. you know tossing between. Clary for the brown loan, yeah, it, it, there's a reason for it. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely is. Uh, there's that. There is the whole Petty Zorko thing. There's certainly going to be some tension and some angst between that. No doubt, yeah, something's going to get said at some point. Like there's going to be, it's it's going to happen. I'm, I'm sure that you know both sides, as, as publicised as it's been, there's going there's going to be something sort of you know come to it. As, but I love what you said before about just you know making sure that they keep their eyes focused purely on the ball and, and and making sure that we're doing you know doing our talking with the actions that are on the field and, and not with anything else because yeah we don't want anything stupid to happen and, and really take our focus like kind of what happened to Brisbane you know two weeks ago in round 23 when they just wanted to try and act like flat track bullies and, and yeah look what happened so it's going to be yeah look Everything's riding on it. It's do or die. You know, when it goes home, I think for Melbourne, like you think if we go out in straight sets, it'd be a real disappointment. But I think that our team and our coaching staff and our club are just too good to be able to, you know, sort of not take the learnings out of it and really make sure that they understand what's at stake here. They want to be out here playing finals footy in front of Melbourne fans back at the home of footy. This is what it's all about. And yeah, like we've got to continue to win to stay in it. So I can see us getting over the top. The Lions don't like the G. That record still stands at eight years that they haven't won. And uh, yeah, let's hope that that trend continues for another, yeah, well, at least another week. So I can see us getting over the line pretty comfortably. Um, you know, not not in the 10 goal mark, but let's go somewhere about the 28 points um, from a margin from me. I know we haven't talked about teams yet. I've jumped ahead. That's all right. I was going to chime in anyway. Um, so, yeah, teams is an interesting one. I think Melsham's position is very, very, you know, under threat. And, like, someone even spoke about, you know, the potential chance of Joel Smith coming in, which would be interesting because I was wondering why he was picked as a sub as opposed to a smaller uh, player. I don't know what what the thought process was there, but you never know. I mean, he could be the next one up. Um, potentially as a as an extra forward just to cause a bit of a bit of headache. But then again, I mean, do you want to tinker with oh I mean it's a really hard one because you look at the week before against Brisbane and you know, pretty settled side apart from Salem, 
Bowie's another one there. I, I have so much faith in that kid. He's got C so clean. It's just a matter of where do you fit him in? I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Rivers and Hunt sort of, you know, they're doing okay. They're not, they weren't spectacular on the other nine. Mind you, it's funny how we're talking about Jane Hunt because he was wearing long sleeves and I didn't believe it. He had 11 touches in the first half, come out and had the shirt, short sleeve on. They had four more for the rest of the game. So um, maybe he needs to stay in the long sleeves, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that would be the way, but yeah. um, you know, I think Jaden Hunt just provides X Factor like he did against Carlton. Um, just more so that meters gain. And you know, he's got to be able to showcase that a bit more. Um, yeah, it's a hard one. I, I, I honestly don't know because who knows what they're thinking. I mean, obviously, you got these injury clouds around, you know, Sparks and Petrarca and you know, who's going to be the next cab off the rank? Who's going to be the next one in? I mean, you, you said it before, Dunstan could be the one if Petrarca doesn't get up, which it looks like he actually is. Um, Spargo, probably your like of like a Bedford a Bedford type or even Chandler, who's had a pretty pretty solid year in the VFL. It's going to, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, we've, we've got good depth, which is, you know, something that's pleasing. Therefore, you know, me thinking that, you know, it could be, the week for Petrarca to be rested potentially just to give it a little bit of healing. You never know. Um, it's, it's so, it's such a hard one because obviously you want your best players out there and, you know, the risk of him potentially getting injured further is, just, it's such a hard pill to swallow, I suppose. Um, margins for me, I'm going to go ask by 20. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be able to get the job done. Just, I mean, it won't be comfortable, but I think we're just going to do enough to to hold them at bay and um, yeah, book our, our spot in the prelim against Geelong next Friday night. Absolutely. That's the way we want to finish. And uh, yeah, let's go from there. Cool. See you That's it. Far out. Finals week one done and dusted. Yeah, didn't get the week off, but that's okay. We're uh, we're here. It's finals week two. It's do or die. It's uh, yeah, as you said, big game Friday night. Very excited to get back amongst it in the atmosphere. And yeah, I don't mind the Friday night games. You sort of you know wake up Saturday, even though it might be a bit of a late night, and you still got your whole weekend ahead of you, which is very exciting. But no, huge, huge week for the club. And yeah, I don't know about you, feeling. Well, probably talking about it now, probably feeling that little bit more anxious about it, but I kind of, I can't wait. Can't wait for Friday. It's going to be super exciting to be out there. Hopefully the weather's all right. We've had some cracking days sort of yesterday and today, but I think I did see that it's supposed to rain later on in the week. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen on Friday night. Or, yes. it, do, or it does. I don't know. We're not bad than wet. Oh, thanks, <laughs> man, because I'm riding the open. You're not. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping for a relatively nice night. Um, yeah. Yeah, being able to actually yeah get amongst it and then get all those these fans cheering like it's yeah I mean you think we're probably going to have the seventy thirty sort of you know upper hand here or even more seventy five twenty five so these fans please I plead get loud make this make it a, you know an absolute colossal just make it bloody hard for Brisbane to get an inch I I just want us to be bloody noisy like we were against Geelong and Hawthorne back in twenty eighteen yeah yeah and yeah fond memories isn't it it's um. Yeah, never forget it. That's for sure. So, too easy. All right. Well, big thanks to our sponsors, Hop and Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. 
Thanks to all of our listeners. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Yeah, that's about it. D's footy. Yeah, team's interesting. See what happens tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Thursday night? And um, yeah, here we go from here. But most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's. <laughs>